Well, we've been on this uh, big series of faith, and uh, and I'm sitting here with my broken ankle today. Uh, uh, I want to clear up two things first. The first one is that my ankle's broken. That's why I'm sitting on a stool. I'm not trying to be the young hip guy, just so you know. So you can get that out of your head right away. I'm not trying to be cool. I just have a broken ankle. So I'm on my broken ankle today. The second thing is, I know you're all wondering if I'm going to be able to play this afternoon against the Vikings. And... Uh, <laughs> It'll be a game-time decision. We'll see what happens. So I trust the medical staff and the coaches, and, and we'll see if I play, especially if I'm on your fantasy football team. So we'll see. Well, we, uh, we're in this big series on faith, and I want to continue with that same thought this morning as we talk about faith. And, and here's what I want to do for the next just like 26 minutes and 9 seconds or so, if you'll let me. As I want to look at this question, what do you do when the promises of God in your life are at best partially fulfilled. And uh, let's go to Hebrews first. Hebrews chapter 11. We've been in this section of scripture uh, for a couple weeks here at uh, Celebration Church. And I want to just read uh, verse 13. It says that all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. That first portion, again, is great. It says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Now let's jump over to the uh, Old Testament. I want to read a story out of 2 Kings uh, chapter 4. It's a unique story, to say the least, uh, about the Shunammite woman and her son, her miraculous son. And I want to read this story. Uh, I'll do a bunch of reading. I just want to kind of create the context of, of where we're going. So 2 Kings chapter 4, I'll start in verse, verse 8. It says, uh, one day, Elijah went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat, and she, she said to her husband, I know this man who comes our way often is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the top of the roof and put a bed there and a table and a chair and a lampstand for him so he can stay there whenever he comes to us. And, and one day when Elijah came, he went up to the room and laid there and said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him, and Elijah said, tell her. You've gone through all this trouble for us. Now, now, what can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the commander of the army, uh, or to the king? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. Why don't you say it? My, my husband takes care of me. So keep on reading. Verse 14, it says, what can be done for her, Elijah? Asking Gehazi said, well, she has no son, and her, her husband, he, he's old. So the, in other words, the factory's closed. Ain't no babies happening here. And, it, and so Elijah said, well, call her up in here. So he called her and she stood in the doorway and Elijah said, about this time next year, you're going to hold a son in your arms. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't mess with me. I've got my faith out there. I've got my expector out there. I've been contending. I've been supplicating. I've been declaring the word of God. I've been declaring. I've been believing for a baby boy all these years, and you're going to come up in here and tell me I'm going to have a baby boy. Uh-uh. Don't get my hopes up. Don't mess with my emotions, Elisha. So she's, she's, she's talking to him. I can't blame her. And the Bible says that because of her great faith, she bore a son. No, no, it doesn't say that. It just says that the woman, she became pregnant, and about that time next year, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her, and the child grew. And one day he went out to his father, so he's, he's older by now. His father was with the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. And he does whatever a great father does. He said, go, go, go tell your mom. 
So verse 20, after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap till noon. So here we are. We got the brightest point in the day becomes this mother's darkest moment. And the Bible says, and then he died. The promise of God dies on the lap of this Shunammite woman. And I I like this lady. Check it out. Listen, Listen to what she says. Verse 21, she says, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Her husband says, well, why go to him today? It's, it's not the new moon. It's not, it's not the Sabbath. In other words, they haven't even communicated about this. this but this Shunammite woman, she is so bent on taking care of her business and seeing that she follows through on the promises of God that she hasn't even communicated to her husband that her son has died yet. And then she says something that, that's pretty cool. She says, that's all right, she said. Better translated, it's going to be all right. How many of you have ever been there? You get something going on in your life, something that's so big and it's not all right, but you're just trying to be positive and you're like, it's going to be all right. And that's what she says. She's just trying to be positive. And, and her husband, he, he's a smart man. He's like, woman, whatever, you do whatever you want. So she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on and don't slow down for me unless I tell you. <laughs> so it's on like Donkey Kong. So she went out. And came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. So he, he's kind of freaking out because here comes the Shunammite woman. Something's wrong. So he said, Run to her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child? You know, hide, hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your husband. You know, she, she, is everything all right? And she said, Oh, it's going to be all right once you fix it, Elisha. This Shunammite woman, she's cool. I, I like her. She, she, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. And Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, no, I'll leave her alone, man. I can see she's in a bitter distress. And I don't know why, but the Lord has hidden it from me. And I love this part. She said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Was this my idea? Was it? Man, about this time, I, I feel bad for Elijah. He's like, man... You don't mess with a Shunammite woman, man. He's like, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly uh, how all that went down, you know. And she said, well, I'm going to tell you how it went down. I didn't ask for nothing, but you went and got a word from God, and now he's dead. This was your idea, Elijah. And Elijah, man, by this time, Elijah, I think he's sweating. I mean, he, he's, just, he's just a dude. He's like, man, this is not going to help out my traveling ministry if this word gets out. He's getting nervous. So, so he says to Gehazi, he says, tuck your cloak in your belt and take my staff in your hand. Run. Don't greet anyone you meet. If anyone greets you, don't answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, please, you're not sending your servant with a stick, Elijah. You're coming with me. Well, it's too late because Gehazi, this, man, this guy's fast. He's like a gazelle. He takes off. And he gets back before they even got there. And Gehazi says to, to Elijah, he says, uh... Hey, hey, boss, uh, the, the stick thing, it, it didn't work. That, that boy, he's still dead. And Elijah said, well, don't worry about it. We're, we'll try something else. How, how many of you know that Elijah, he's just trying stuff here? And I don't know if there's uh, any of the pastors in here. How many know sometimes we just try stuff, you know? Like like you come in and, you're, you know, my, my finances, pastor, they're, they're a wreck. And it's like, all right, uh, here's what we'll do. Uh, close, close your eyes and, and, and get on your knees. Jesus! You look, oh, they cry, and something must have worked. That's what we do. We, we just try stuff. So, 
31, it says, Gehazi went ahead, laid his staff on the boy's face. There's no sound, no response. So Gehazi went back to meet, meet Elijah and told him, the boy is not, not wakened. So I want you to take note of the first thing Elijah tries is the stick, and it didn't work. And then Elijah, he reached the house, and the boy was laying there dead on the couch. He shut the door. He went in. Two of them prayed to the Lord. So the first thing he tries is the stick. The second thing he does is just tries good old-fashioned prayer, but, but it doesn't work. And, and the third thing he tries, and uh, this is a bit unique, this technique, we're just going to go ahead and leave in the Old Testament. We're not going to try this at Celebration Church, but it, it says that he got on the bed, and he laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes. You know, I, I'm just going to say, ma'am, I don't know how to tell you this, but he's dead. There ain't nothing I can do. I'll give the speech at the memorial, but he's dead. There ain't nothing I can do. I'm not putting my mouth on his mouth. I'm not putting my eyeballs on his eyeballs. I ain't going down like that. Your boy is dead. But Elijah, he does it. And the Bible says that the boy became warm. Well, yeah, because Elijah just got done laying his big old man body on him. Of course, he's starting to get warm. So the boy's body grows warm, and Elijah turned away. And I love this part. It says he tried the stick. Then he tries good old-fashioned prayer, and then he just lays on the boy, and now he's just pacing. I mean, literally, folks, he is just trying stuff here. I mean, stick, prayer, lay on you, now he's pacing. Have you ever been there in life where you're in such deep stuff in life that you just start pacing? You're like, God, I need you in my life. I need you to show up. I need you to do something. And that's what Elijah's doing here. He's just pacing, and he's like, man, this Shunammite woman is going to kill me. You know, and so whatever reason, the fifth time... He tries what he tried the third time. And I think this is kind of interesting because it says he walked back and forth in the room. And then he got out and he stretched on the boy, his body out on the boy one more time. And he's already tried this for whatever reason. And he gets this notion, you know, I'm going to try that laying thing again. Let's, let's try that one more time. So he lays on him, gives that one more chance. And this time it, it, it gets weirder again. The Bible would like us to note that the child sneezes. Not once, yea, not even thrice, but seven times, and only after the seventh sneeze does Sneezy wake up. Okay, I mean, really, is this necessary? All this information. So it's the fifth act of prayer and the seventh sneeze that this unnamed, miraculous boy wakes up. And you know Elijah, man, he is pumped by verse 36. The boy sneezed seven times, his eyes are open, and Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. I mean, his ministry is about to flourish. He is pumped. He calls her in there, and when she came in, he said, take your son, pick up your boy. And she's like, oh my goodness, it worked. And he's like, yeah, praise God, amen, it worked. Pick Pick up your boy. So the Bible says that she picked up her son, and the promise of God was returned. I want to connect that passage that we just read in Hebrews, and, and, and the one that we just read in 2 Kings, and then look at one other verse in the New Testament, and, that, and that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 20. This is a great verse. It says this, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so, through him, amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Let's talk just for the next moment while we are together about the promises of God. What do you do when the promises of God in your life at best seem partially fulfilled? You know, there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind that every person here listening today has been the recipient of a promise. 
It may have been a small promise. It may have been a significant promise. It may have been an extraordinary promise. But no doubt, it may have been average. But you've been the recipient of some sort of a promise. And, and it, no doubt, you've had a promise in your life that hasn't been followed through on. That, that there's some people here, you still deal with emotional baggage and some carry-ons about something that your father promised he would do. Or maybe it was a grandfather or an aunt or an uncle or someone somewhere promised, I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they didn't follow through. They didn't do it. There's still this sensitive, touchy place in you about a promise that wasn't followed through on. You know, it's one thing for me to say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to buy you a candy bar, and then I don't. I mean, life, it goes on, right? But then there are levels of promises. For, for example, if I were to tell you that I, I just received a word from God, and, and I'm going to buy you a house completely, debt-free, everything. I'm paying for it all. How many of you here today believe that might be the word of God for you today? Okay, that was a joke. You're supposed to be laughing. I'm not, I'm not buying you a house. But... If I convinced you that I'm going to buy you a house and said, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to get you a nice house. I'm going to give you a $450,000 house. In, in Wisconsin, that's going to get you like a mansion with a gate. I'm going to get you a nice place, right? And I'm paying for everything. But here's the deal. I'm going to need two years. I need two years to do this. Uh, you, you know, you'd be six months in. You'd be sending me that text, you know, uh, hey, just... Just had you on my heart today, Bob. You know, been, been praying for you, praising God for everything in our life, and bless you and all you're doing with Celebration Church. And, you know, about a year in, I'd, I'd be getting the yearly update from you. You know, you know, praise God, Bob. You know, my wife and I, we, we sure are glad for God and all his provisions in our life. Praise God. And, you know, in two years, you'd be, hey, Bob, uh, we haven't heard from you. What's going on? And I'd, I'd have the unfortunate role of giving you the call and saying, you know, it, it, times are tough, and uh, I, I know I made some promises, but I'm not going to be able to get you that house. Uh, I'm just not going to be able to do it. I, I apologize. But, but here's the deal. I'm going to send you a subscription to Sports Illustrated. How many think that would be kind of a, that'd be, wow, that, that's kind of a letdown, right? We wouldn't exactly be BFFs anymore after that. And that, and that pales in comparison to the promises that you receive from God. What do you do with black ink on paper? What do you do with Genesis to Revelation? What do you do when over the course of your walk with Jesus and the promises, they are very clear. There is no subjection. They are very evident. And God has made some very profound and overt promises in his book. And if you're a good follower of Jesus, you bank on those promises. And you must bank on those promises. You know, I don't know if you know much about me, but, but uh, I grew up in church. And I've been in more church services than you could ever dream of in your life. I have uh, spent the night in church. I've slept under chairs. I've been in church services for days on end. I've been in church my whole life. And I've been taught from a very young age, you believe on the promises of God. God is for you. He's not against you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you a future. He wants to give you a purpose. And you plan on those promises. Amen. But what do you do when those promises... When you take inventory of your life, at best, seem far off or partially fulfilled. You know, I, I personally believe 
that God is a healer. I believe that Jesus heals people. Um, many of you may know, many of you probably don't, but I've, I've got a daughter that uh, she's three years old and she's had 10 surgeries already. In fact, in January, she has number 12. And it is hard, hard work. It is painful stuff that she has to go through. And I believe and I pray every single day since she's been born that God would completely heal her and she'd have to never go through another surgery. And I believe God can do it. Um, but does my believing cease when I don't get the results I desire? I don't regret one moment of believing. That is my only role. I'm not a healer. I am just a believer. What do you do? What do you do with all these promises? What is your response? And I commend those that are sitting out there today and you are trusting God to provide for your family. You're trusting God to protect your family. You're trusting God for healing in your family. I, that you're trusting God to restore broken relationships. God, we serve a really, really good God. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11 says this, if you then who are evil, you then who are earthly fathers, you who are earthly dads, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? Ask God for the things going on in your life. Trust God for the things going on in your life. But where do you go? How do you deal with it? I know what the book says, but I don't see what it says. And I want to say something. I don't want to be misunderstood. I want to let you know that my experiences Don't shape what I believe about God. What I believe about God shapes my experiences. So I'm not trying to propose some new idea about God. There's a lot of other men and women here that have gone through hard things here that continue to have faith in God. The guy that preaches here most of the time is going through something hard and we're in this great series on faith. Trust God, walk with God and have faith. Hebrews 11 and 13, let's gain a little traction. It said that these patriarchs, that these men and women that we look up to died in faith. And this should be noted. We will live this life in faith and we will die in faith. We are to live believers and die believers we, and not a doubter. Jesus is real. His power is sovereign and he is king over all the universe. And it goes on to say, it says not having received the promises. So if you're here today and you've got promises that are looming large over your life, you are in good company today. And the Bible says that these men and women that we look up to and admire, the Bible says that these men and women, they saw promises from afar and they didn't realize them and they died in faith. What does that tell us about our God? The first thing I want us to take note of is that it says that our God is a generational God. It's important for us to understand that we are connected to the next generation. There are prayers that you are going to pray today that someday your kids and your kids' kids will be part of that dream being fulfilled. We serve a generational God. We are connected to the next generation just as much as we're connected to the generation before us. The Bible reveals God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the promise he gave to Abraham, he fulfills in Isaac, and so on. We serve a generational God. But it's also important for us to note who is the promiser and who is the promisee. And that's exactly what that Shunammite woman was trying to drive home to Elijah. And we're almost done. If the musicians, you guys can come up and play if you want. We're almost wrapped up. She poses this question. She says, God, your book says you're a healer. 
The stories and the promises, they are undeniable. You have the power to heal. You've got the power to provide. You've got the power to renew. You've got the power to bring change. God, this is your problem. And you know what the Shunammite woman did? She returned to sender. She took the promise of God that died there on her lap. And she said, God, you gave me this boy. You gave me this promise. It's on you. I didn't come up with these promises And now it's dead. This was your idea, God. Here it is. What do I do? See, you and me, we are the promisee. We're not the promiser. This Messiah complex that's so easy for us to develop, we've got to just let it go. This wasn't all you're doing. We can't change one human soul. We can't even change our own soul. We don't have the power to heal. Only he's got the power to heal. All of our persuasive speeches, all of our intellect, all of our words, all of our hard work, it is just noise. Unless the promise of God which says, I will be there when you declare my word. My word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which I have set it out to accomplish. Unless the promises of God come to pass, we're just making noise and we're staying busy and we're playing church. But we need to say, God, these are your promises. You gave me a mom. You gave me a dad. You gave me a husband. We just, Dennis, brother in the choir that passed away this week, passed away. God, you gave me this husband. You gave me this dad. You gave me this friend. God, I am going to trust you. This is on you. And you know what? I'm reading this story. I'm looking at the Shunammite woman. And she's got this miraculous son. And you've got all these miraculous sons in the Old Testament. All of them have names except for this one. This unnamed boy. And he sneezes. This unnamed boy sneezes. And what is a sneeze for? A sneeze is for getting the junk out of the human system. And Jesus, who is perfect, came to remove sin and brokenness. He came to restore. He came to heal. He came to remove that from the human system. And he is perfect And he's got the power to expel it from the human system. And this son, the unnamed son, the miraculous son, he he dies. And he's raised again. And I got to tell you, I'm reading this, I'm like, I I don't think the story is just about a Shunammite woman. I don't think it's just about the Shunammite boy. It's about his boy. And in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, it said, For no matter how many promises God has made there, yes, in Christ. And the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Jesus is the sum and he is the substance of all of God's promises. Because he is both the fulfiller and he is the fulfillment. When did Jesus become not enough? The promise may seem dead, but Jesus is still alive. We've got it all wrong. We think, God, where are your promises? I don't have the house. I don't have the money. And listen, I'm for you having the house and I'm for you having the money, but it's not about the house and it's not about the money. Jesus is enough. And someday we'll get to heaven. And I think probably Dennis is smiling down at us right now saying, that's it, keep your eyes on Jesus. Someday we'll get there, we'll realize he's everything. He is the essence of life. He is our source. He is our life. He is the pinnacle of our existence. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our shelter. He is our shepherd. He is our lion. He is our lamb. He is the beginning. He is the end. And he is everything in between. 
He was before the foundations of the earth and his name is Jesus and there is nobody beside him. Don't leave this morning complaining about, I don't have this, I wish I had that. Stop. In Him, all of the promises of God, they point us to Jesus. Last time I read the Bible, Jesus is available to all who believe. You remember, Jesus is your sufficiency. You lack no good thing, for every good thing you need comes from Him, and His name is Jesus. And Elijah, he said to the Shunammite woman, and I mean, I like this part. I don't even think Elijah knew what he was saying, but he, he said this. He said, woman, pick up your son. And I read that. I'm thinking, you know, the promise may seem dead in your life. You pick up Jesus. You lost your dad. You lost a son. You lost a friend. Pick up Jesus. You lost your job. You pick up Jesus. You're losing your marriage. You pick up Jesus. We can't lose. Cling to Jesus. We can't lose because he won't let us. We are going to win. Let's keep Jesus the object of our lives. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things would be added unto you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we ask that you would reveal unto us the beauty and the majesty and the glory that is Jesus. Help us to see Jesus. When we're going through the stuff of life and God, the promises seem like they're far off. God, help us keep our eyes on you. For those that don't know you today, I pray that they would pick up Jesus, that they would find you today, that they would find faith in you. For those that have been walking with you for a long time, Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray, teach us how to walk with Jesus. I pray that we would be good disciples and good followers of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.